You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. As always on a Tuesday, I speak to Joanne Bainham, independent financial advisor. And off air, Joanne, you were telling me that you'd been trying to wade through the very complex American electoral system and the way that you can vote and when you can vote and how you can vote and who can vote for you and who wins, even if they get less votes nationwide than the other person. It's very, very strange. It is very strange. And I think, Lindsay, the reason I'm reading up on this is to figure out what the implications for stock markets are if Biden wins and what the probability is of Biden winning. Because from what I've been able to gather, reading between all the different commentators at the moment and given all the different polling, it looks like that Biden is his on favourite to win at the moment, despite um, Trump's miraculous um, recovery from COVID. Yes, but don't forget, we haven't had a poll since he came in on, is it Navy One? What is that thing called? (laughs) That helicopter, anyway. Since he came in last night, I mean, he had this, I don't know if you've seen his tweets. No, No, Air Force One is the great big jumbo, a modified jumbo jet. I think Navy One is the helicopter. But anyway, it's it's an aircraft. When he came in last night and he set it to music, and it looks very, very dramatic. And then he stood on the steps and he took his mask off and everything, which actually was a bit of a faux pas, not because of the mask, but because the fact that he was breathing so heavily and you can see he was struggling for breath. And I don't feel sorry for him in any way, shape or form, but you could see that the man was distressed and he's very, very silly to do that. But I, we haven't had a poll since then. Maybe some people will say, yes, that was good stuff. We like this president. On the other hand, I think it's the people that are already voting for him will say, yes, we still like this president. We're still going to vote for him. I don't know. It's very, very... The next 28 days are going to be horrible. They they are going to be horrible. Um, Look, let's also be honest. The debate on whether it's going to win or lose at the moment has been proven to be wrong so many times in politics in the last couple of years. So people don't really don't trust the, the polls at all anymore. But but all I can say at the moment, if the polls are to be believed, Biden hasn't lost any popularity post this event. But as you say, we haven't had new polls since that. Um, the reality is if Biden wins, you know, is it good or bad for the stock market? And I think that's what we're all trying to debate right now. Yes, it's, 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 sorry, me, just interrupt yes. It's Marine One, by the way, not Navy One. It's, I've one. suddenly remembered oh, thank you. Marine Biden One. And on like... the Biden thing, there are two There are two camps. There's the Lindsay Williams and his followers camp, which says yes. he's going to raise taxes and he's going to penalise the ridiculously wealthy and, and therefore he's going to penalise Wall Street and therefore the markets will uh, suffer. And there's another one that I saw on, I think it was CNN this morning, uh, this chat was talking about a blue wave, as he called it, will be very good for the US because it will mean an increase in infrastructure spend, healthcare spend, and so forth. So you choose your camp. Well, I think let's go back a step. I mean, the stock market's been really good for Wall Street, right? It has been if you've been in a, a small number of stocks. If you've been in US tech, you've made a lot of money. If you've been in a lot of other companies, you haven't made a lot of money. So it hasn't been across the board a, a slam dunk for people on Wall Street. That's the first point. If you think about um, kind of increasing the taxes on the rich, well, that'll hurt a few rich people. But if that tax gets spent properly on infrastructure, creating jobs and evening out the money flow, that actually might be very good for global growth. And the reason I bring that up is because In fact, stock markets have actually been very bearish the last couple of years. People have rushed into a few number of stocks where growth has been certain, but people have been very worried about growth. If you think finally that money gets shared amongst a lot of people, that actually could be quite good for global growth and good for cyclical stocks. So you actually could have a situation where a blue sweep 
could be good for stock markets if the value side or the cyclical side of the economy starts to pick up because growth starts coming through. Look, none of us have the answers right now. But the fact is, Democrats do have a reputation of spending more money on helping everybody, as opposed to Republicans have a reputation for for a few people becoming very wealthy. That, that's a great generalization, but that's kind of the way the stock markets look at it. What What is more interesting is back to you and what you and I were chatting about at the beginning. If the Democrats win both the House, well, they already um, control the House, but they control the Senate as well, then you could have a clean sweep. And it might be possible to get a lot of things actually enacted and make some changes. So why they're saying that they're quite positive on Biden is because a lot of this fiscal spending they want to put through might be more likely if Biden wins. So that's kind of the long and short of it. You might start seeing fiscal spending increasing and maybe it gets down to grassroots level. And it's not just about making capitalists a lot of money. It becomes more socialistness leaning, which should help company with their earnings, all things being equal. Yes, exactly. I do think that initially what will happen is exactly what happened four years ago when I, I sat up all night watching these these votes coming in and these states uh, declaring who'd won and who'd lost. Uh, what happened was when it became apparent that um, Mr. Trump was going to be the, the 45th president of the United States of America, the Dow Jones futures fell something like uh, 1,100, 1,200 points. And that was quite a big percentage in those days. And uh, today it's, uh, you know, it's a three or four year occurrence uh, three or four times a year occurrence rather um but this yes. this was quite big stuff and then i thought right thank goodness people don't like him and then uh, an hour later they were actually up because people said wait a second he's going to feather his own nest and boost wall street so the same thing might happen biden might be declared the victor at least uh, on the on television and the, the market will fall but then in the weeks to come the market may go up it's going to be fascinating it's going to be exhausting at the same time I think you're spot on there. I mean, I think the reality is, even if we knew with perfect hindsight who was going to win this election, we probably still wouldn't have a clue how the market was going to react to Precisely. it. Precisely. Because I totally agree with you, Lindsay. In 2016, when Trump was elected, the markets fell, and everyone thought that would be the case forever sort of idea. Well, it wasn't. <laughs> a few hours later, it turned around. So we don't know how the markets will react to a Biden victory. I think big tech could come under pressure if Biden wants to increase taxes on big tech, because at the moment they don't seem to pay an awful lot of tax. Uh, and so that could be quite interesting. It could be a big beneficiary for healthcare. So what you might see, the stock market doesn't do an awful lot, but underneath the stock market, the different sectors move around an awful lot, if you follow my drift. So you might see growth str struggling, but you might see value doing better and, and overall not a lot changing. But we'll see. I mean, the fact is I think the world needs a change. I think, you know, forget your views on Trump, whether he's good or bad. He's not great on climate change. His views on um, equality amongst people is not fantastic either. I, I think he's got to, we need to change. The world needs a reset. 2020 has been about that. We need a reset. South Africa needs a reset. This is uh, this conversation is going towards a tale of two presidents. And uh, Cyril Ramaphosa concluded the ANC higher echelon Le Cotler. I don't know where it was, but I saw a well few done. of the comments. Yes. Come here. Thank you very much. <laughs> I've been practicing <laughs> that all morning. But what came out of it? I mean, apart from the usual, we need to do this and we all need to work together stuff. Um, from what I've read, not a lot's come out of it yet. We're still waiting for more details, which is typical ANC rhetoric. You know, we're going to do a lot. We haven't got around to it yet. I'm waiting he for the details of 25 years ago, actually. Um, no, no, completely. I mean, uh, we, we need more details. We need them in a hurry. I mean, this country is got a massive growth issue at the moment. Uh, two stories that piqued my interest today. One was pretty awful. The other one was more interesting. One is um, 
and apologies to viewers listening to this, but in certain parts of this country at the moment, there are no stray dogs to be found anymore because even children aren't eating. Oh, no, don't say that. Apologies. Is that that true? That's from quite a few articles I've read today. So that's very sad and very scary to read. Um, And then the other issue is um, the sort of credit impulse in South Africa. So in other words, what banks are lending and what people want to borrow. And what we're seeing is people don't want to borrow money at the moment. And even those who do want to borrow money, the banks are being very um, difficult in lending their money. So the credit impulse does not look very good in South Africa at all, which is to be expected in a country where growth is quite poor. Don't forget last week you and I discussed the horrific jobs data that came out in South Africa last week. So we, we've got a proper, proper growth problem in this country. And so back to your point about ANC and, and the various uh, committees they keep having, they need to come up with action and it needs to be fast. We are running out of time. Yes, I was speaking to my morning commentator and um, one of the articles that we referred to was on the front page of the business day, the, the online edition anyway. I'm trying to find if it's still up there. Basically, what it says was that the people that are trying to borrow money are the people that are desperate. And there have been more rejections than there have been acceptances uh, from the banks. And that's how they came to the conclusion that it was people that were desperate because they didn't have the credit rating in order to justify the bank lending them money. So that tells you about the parlous state of the consumer in South Africa. People that want the money or rather need the money are applying and people that can have the money are not because they don't have the confidence. It's a very sad state of affairs. No, it's a terribly sad set of affairs. Um, I don't know if you've heard the latest letter to describe the recovery that we might see in stock markets, economic growth, sorry. I don't know if you're aware of the letter K. No. People are now talking about the K recovery. And the K recovery is if you're part of the higher echelons and you're highly educated, and let's say in South Africa you work for government, COVID hasn't been a big issue for you because you still work online. But financial services come to mind in this in this idea. You're, you're going to recover quite nicely from COVID-19. But if you are on the lower end, and particularly women, actually, quite interesting enough, women because of tourism, because of domestic workers, because of working in the hospitality industry, you name it. And this is a worldwide trend, by the way. The K-shaped recovery says the top part of the K, if you're at the high echelons, you're recovering. The bottom side of the K, you're not going to recover. And that's the kind of economic recovery we're now talking about globally. I mean, I don't know if you've been seeing, but oh, I get it now. So you draw down. a line. So you draw a line yeah. between the two parts of the letter K. You do, ah. and you say that's the K recovery now. So not only are it's nuanced from a W, whatever the letter, various letters were, or L or a Nike swoosh. Now, in other words, talking about a K recovery, and it speaks to that global income inequality issue as well. So fair enough. You know, back to Biden again. If he comes in and sort of tries to equal the tax issues, it might not be in the greater scheme of things the worst thing in the world. If some of the very, very top taxpayers start spreading a bit of the love, I'm not talking about the middle classes here. I'm talking about the obscenely wealthy in society, but we don't know how that we don't know how to solve that problem. Yeah. So back to South Africa, yes. I, I think the growth rates here are, are are pretty disappointing. You know, he's got this massive infrastructure project he wants to announce. I did see. I think it was Leon Kampfer from Asisa today coming out and saying. Um, that they believe that government won't go ahead with prescribed assets. We were making some comment on it. I hope it was him. And But what I found quite interesting, he said he doesn't see the need to change Reg 28 to allow more infrastructure investments for pension fund assets. And I know I've spoken to a number of people in the industry who don't agree with that, who think that we actually need to make it possible if pension funds want to invest in infrastructure assets. So in other words, don't make it punitive, but allow people to invest more of their money should they wish to do so and allow Reg 28 to be more lenient. Because we have got a huge and enormous growth problem in South Africa. Uh, and we need to start building this country better. We have to. We've got no choice. Okay, what do we do now? 
I'm looking at gold. And gold got ahead of itself, or rather investors in gold got ahead of themselves. And people thought it could keep on going up in a straight line. I think it went to 2050 plus, something like that, dollars per ounce. Yes. It's now, it's been back down to something like 1840, so more than $200 an ounce for. It's now sort of steadily building at 1915. If you had to take anything, if you had to, it was like one of these desert island discs stories. If you had to take one thing with you as an investor on a desert island for a year, knowing that when you got off the desert island, it would be worth more, what would it be? Would gold be right up there in your choice? Okay, so I'm not going to answer you directly. I'm going to answer you a different way. I listened to. What are you, a politician? <laughs> I listened to a very good presentation from Goldman Sachs the other day, arguing that even in the US, they don't expect the economy to recover until 2022, and then the jobs market, they don't expect to recover until 2023. The reason I bring this up is because they're arguing that interest rates will stay low. For an awfully long time. In fact, longer than a lot of us predicting. Mm. So, but Tina arguments. So, back to your question, Lindsay. Yeah, I think gold's a fantastic investment if you're sitting around two to three years, even a year's time, because I think central banks are going to continue to pump liquidity into the system because I think growth will remain quite weak. Clearly, Biden changes that somewhat. We'll see, because remember what we didn't get into the discussion just now about US elections. They also have this thing called the filibuster, where even if you control the Senate, you still have to have 60% of the votes in order to get uh, legislation passed. Uh, and right now, the Democrats aren't expected to get that many votes. So it could still end up being a lame duck presidency in terms of trying to get stuff through. So my point is, we're going to have central banks continue to pump liquidity into the system, into the world markets. And in that environment, gold remains a very, very good investment. Okay. I led you on the gold issue. Uh, but is there anything else outside of gold that you would look at on on the desert island? I mean, I, you know, I was thinking that, you know, it gets so boring saying this, but I, I listened again to somebody recently who said, sometimes doing nothing is doing everything for your clients. I think sometimes you have a view, you need to stick to it for a while. So I, I continue to say on your program, and I'm sorry if I'm boring people, but I think, you know, offshore global equities make sense in certain regions. Not everything offshore is expensive. And on top of that, I think SA bonds in certain parts of the curve, and in other words, don't take too much credit risk longer out, or long duration assets. But it's the medium term of the curve, you're getting some very decent interest rate pickup. And you will have noticed lately that the RAND has actually been relatively strong. I don't know how long that lasts for. But the point is, you have got a situation where global emerging market bond managers or people who need interest rates looking at South Africa saying, gosh, your yields are so attractive. And that's possibly one of the reasons, despite all the problems in Africa, the RAND is holding up at the moment. So I think if you're going to have investments, have them offshore in global equities. I think that's where your best growth ideas are coming from. And then if you want some yield, I think South African bonds still give you a very decent yield. And don't forget, you and I have also talked about African bonds. Um, there's certain parts of the African bond market that are very interesting. Joan, thanks so much for your time. That's Joan Bainham, Independent Financial Advisor. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.